Fantasy NBA Hybrid Podcast brought to you by Jalen Utsi, Kyle Stein, and me, Michael Kimball. We uh, have been off for a while, but are happy to be back, and we're here to talk about the East, where the Bucks are running it back, essentially not so different of a squad, and yet, even though they won the championship, they are not picked as the favorites this year. That is the Nets, the overwhelming favorite in the East. What do you guys think? I want to yeah. root for the Bucks. I want to. I want to call the Bucks, but um, you know, I, I don't think that I would do it in any betting mind. <laughs> yeah, it would be a. It feels like a bad bet right now. I think if you're looking for a good bet, go up the line and maybe the Hawks. It. I don't know what their number is, but it's up there. Um, yeah, the Bucks would be a bad bet. I'm not even. I mean, I wouldn't feel great about betting the Nets either as the heavy favorite here with their uh, roster issues going on. Um, one of the things the Nets did do is add Patty Mills this season and James Johnson, the Giannis defender. They lost Spencer Dinwiddie, Jeff Green, uh, and and smartly left let go of Katie's other friend DeAndre Jordan. Um, I the think Nets added. The Nets added so many players. I mean, just watching the sort of timeline, the scroll of players they added in the summer between the Nets um, and the Los Angeles Lakers, it was kind of like, it felt like a MCU MCU universe movie where just like all (laughs) the heroes were showing up to face off against one another. And I mean, uh, so many of these guys are old and past their prime and not at the peak of their abilities, but it, it does seem like the Nets have if not like the most competent players they they might they might actually have like the most comp like not only do they have Harden and uh KD and Kyrie but they also have Marcus Aldridge they've got Paul Millsap, uh, Paul Millsap. <laughs> they've got Blake Griffin they've got Patty Mills they've got Bruce Brown they've got uh they still you know, have Claxton they, coming off the bench who they still got Claxton they still have um De'Ron Sharp who they just got as a rookie who looked pretty good in his preseason game against the Lakers took an and elbow Thomas from Dwight shown Howard flashes. and you yeah, haven't even Cam named Thomas. Joe Harris Joe and Harris right, we forget about the one of the best shooting three-point dudes in the league Joe Harris still you know so they they there is some real depth there they are stacked in ways I think they're probably feeling really smart about the Patty Mills pickup about right now um, Javon but Carter also... and James Johnson we forgot about those two um legend I wonder how much time he'll get this season uh, he I mean, will bro, get I... zero time with the Nets they'll trade him to cut payroll you think Calling so it now yeah yeah I think he's gonna I, be payroll I just think that they're gonna they're gonna that blast. tax bill yeah, they're going to blow so many teams out that I could see a chance, but they're going to also have an, a depth of other players who yeah. will, will need to get some some minutes. Yeah, on the court. I, yeah, I think that's the issue there. And I think there are some young guys they would rather give the minutes. And I wasn't too keen on the James Johnson pickup until I read that he was picked up specifically as a Giannis defender. Well, Jeff Green gone, they had to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the Nets will win the East. The Nets will win the NBA. Should we? No, I'm go, definitely going to go I mean, on. I mean, <laughs> at least for conversations purposes, I'm going to make the case that the Bucks are going to win the East. All right. Let's hear it. What's the argument? Depth. They, they certainly have greater depth than last year. Um, you know, there can always be injuries, but getting Dante DiVincenzo back from injury. Um, definitely will add, a big help. You know, you know, he was a starter um, and they won the championship without, you know, one of their starters. Um, they picked up Grayson Allen, which I think will be a, a, an improvement over Bryn Forbes, even though Grayson Allen's still kind of a punk. Um, makes it a little harder to root for the Bucks in my mind, but I think it's a smart pickup for their team. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I feel like, you know, <laughs> beforehand we're sort of talking about what are we going to talk about in this episode? And then as soon as you said that, I'm just like, oh, we're going to talk about the NBA. Like this is the NBA because <laughs> I feel like all last year, you know, we were all talking about, are the Bucks going to do it? Why don't they have the same kind of like intense uh, fan support and love outside of Milwaukee? Um, yeah. You know, I wrote, I think not last year, but the year before about them just kind of being boring and being like sedated, uh, sedate in their excellence. Yeah. And I feel like the Bucks, they won the championship. Uh, PJ Tucker's like drunkenly doing speeches on the parade float everybody loves him and then they choose they essentially choose whether you want to go with Grayson Allen or who I'm blanking on the name Jordan Jordan. 
Yeah, yeah. They, they essentially they, choose one a, of those three players over PJ Tucker, and it's like they don't want us to like them. Like they had the chance. Like they just, <laughs> just bring back PJ Tucker. He's gonna wear all his shoes. He's gonna be tough in the playoffs. He's gonna be loved. And they're like, no, we're gonna go with Grayson Allen. He was, was gonna- perfect in the four for him, and it, it's sad to watch. They did also bring back. I just want to mention George Hill, a homecoming of sorts there, and, and I did like that. But right, why uh, why let PJ s- Tucker go? I think he left on his own. Is my my impression, but. Yeah, there, there was a little bit of both. There was some reporting that um, that he assumed that an offer would be there for him that that he would consider, um, and it huh? never materialized. Um, ah. They they went in a different direction. Um, I do think that they they expect that Shemiojale will give them some uh, you know some competent minutes in that role, and they're probably just gonna they're gonna run out different kinds of lineups with Grayson Allen and bringing in Rodney Hood. Um, which I think well, could be good. You know, they're, I mean, the biggest problem with mean, their defense was tops in the NBA for the playoffs last year. Their real trouble was they just couldn't score. And, you know, they've right. got some more competent shooters now. I mean, I think Grayson Allen could, I mean, could really help. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a fair amount of run with, you know, some collection of starters, you know, basically some Giannis minutes. Yeah, it looks like he will. It looks like he'll be at least a 25 minute, give or take a guy a game and the other thing i think to keep in mind with the bucks is the defense pj tucker was playing against any particular player i'm thinking of durant here uh when they when they beat the nets Giannis can take that like Giannis can be that defender too and we sometimes forget how great he is in that role (laughs) yeah the nets in particular are going to be tough because it's you know if Giannis is on durant which he he probably should be you still have to you you need to find something for both harden and Kyrie, and um you know drew holiday can only take one of them and uh right right yeah and and it depends on the lineups they have out there you know you think about the the play Giannis made in the finals against deandre ayton you know blocking that dunk attempt on the lob you know, if he's guarding KD in that scenario, you know, he's just not going to be in that play depending on whether or not Brooke Lopez is on the floor. So I think there could be some like blowback to, to them losing uh, one of their wing defenders. Um, But it's, it's tough, you know, when you have Brooke Lopez, Giannis and Drew Holiday out there on the floor, it makes it pretty tough. And I think what we saw in the finals is that, you know, you have maybe questionable defenders like, well, now I think, probably Grayson Allen will be one of the questionable defenders. And then (laughs) Pat Connaughton last year was one of the questionable defenders, but it's hard to take advantage of those guys when Brooke Lopez is standing in the paint. So, I mean, you kind of have to have a lot of players who can dribble pass and shoot to really take advantage of that. And, you know, now that the death lineup is gone, you know, no one really has the requisite amount of players probably besides the nets to really do that. Right. I was curious in that net series, um, you know, I don't have the numbers, but maybe you just remember either from seeing the numbers or from watching the series. Um, were the Nets running out on Milwaukee's starting lineup or were they doing their damage with, you know, sort of collections of like second unit, um, you know, second um, lineups? Because uh, that could be important. Um, you know, the Bucks are deeper than what they were last year. And I definitely got the impression that the nets had the deepest roster i mean they still kind of have the deepest roster so i don't don't know what what any of this is going to matter yeah i i don't know about that specifically the one thing i do remember is that the nets defense improved markedly in the playoffs over the regular season and i think we could see some reflection of that just with their their deep roster and having more guys healthy i think we could see a version of that in the regular season this year and in part as a way to protect players minutes all of that so you don't have kd Kyrie playing out you know as many late games things like that um so i could i, I could see that happening uh, i want to get back to the, the point you were making jalen um and ask this question, will the Bucks come out with any sort of swagger this year? Will they be more interesting with the being flush from this championship? Does it happen? Do, do people get on board with that? Or will we always sort of make fun of the boring Bucks? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like they've probably reached a, a point of undeniability, um, just given the fact that, I mean, Giannis had, what, like 50 points? 
you know, he just had such an impressive game uh, in the finals and the finals at large and the playoffs at large that um, it just, it seems like it, it feels futile and also sort of not for the love of the game to hate on him at this point. You know, he seems right. like such a, yeah, yeah. A, a, he a loves nice, it too much. How could you? Yeah. He seems like <laughs> such a nice personality. And, you know, you know, I think uh, Kyle has talked about this before the way it's kind of felt like the Warriors came out of nowhere and they didn't really have their sort of like typical climb up the ladder where they were sort of beat back multiple times. And I think the Bucks certainly had that, you know, and they had all the <laughs> yeah. criticisms to go along with that and they finally arrived. So somehow I think it will feel more deserved and natural and respected in the eyes of, of fans. You know, a lot of people have said that championship by the Dallas Mavericks in 2011 counts for more than like, say, the Heat's first championship simply because, you know, it was a lot of homegrown guys and like a veteran team put together and it just sort of like, they did it together with Dirk being on the same team and you know whether or not you buy into that or not I think there is a real sense that like you know the sort of narrative story of the Bucks had a natural progression and like peak with them winning the championship and I think it'll be easy to kind of root for them because of that right right uh, I didn't know where we would go next with this because the Bucks and Nets were such obvious favorites are such obvious favorites in the east but I think you just provided the perfect segue Jalen we're going to the 76ers we've been watching this struggle and progression for years it just got more difficult I don't even know I, I don't even know where to start the Ben Simmons conversation so I'm going to say that and just jump ahead and say Tyrese Maxey looks ready to run with that first unit he's fun to watch I, I really like what's going on there um, but yeah the big question remains um, what happens with Ben Simmons what comes back what is this team going to look like in I don't know two weeks a month the trade deadline yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I feel sort of caught out um, by the Ben Simmons situation. You know, we, we talked about this in our group chat and I said, I don't really understand the whole, we love to see Ben Simmons being uh, fine for not showing up to work. Not because I'm like in necessarily any way supporting him just being paid for not showing up, but because I kind of feel like it's pretty rote and standard and just like a following of procedures and it feels like uh there's just not going to be any winners in this situation and I think probably Daryl Morey would argue with that and say that like he's gonna you know stick to his guns and wait until the best deal becomes available and then the 76ers will certainly be the winners and like hopefully Ben Simmons also wins in that situation as well by being sent to a team where he can kind of have a fresh start but it just feels it just feels like, like a no win situation, to be honest. And yeah. to be honest, I think like if Simmons wanted to get out of town faster, he should just show up and cause as many problems as Butler. possible. Yeah, exactly. But I, I don't know if he has the personality to do that, but <laughs> I mean, if he comes back, how can you like, I don't think he's, I just don't think this is the type of person he is, but how do he and Embiid not get into some kind of altercation? Like Embiid has basically been stabbing him in the back, either quietly or more openly for the past couple media sessions. He was, I mean, I'd say that, that pretty openly been, recently. I would, <laughs> I would go so far as to say that Embiid and in a soft way, the entire team has been doing it for a few seasons. And I, yeah, I, I think that, um, I, I think Ben Simmons lack of development is part of a general rot in the Sixers organization. And I don't know when it happened. I like to point at the moment that Hinky was ousted, but like, you know, who knows, uh, but we're not getting a reporting on it. This is just yeah. like, well, we don't know because impression that I have. Yeah. We don't I like know because Simmons nobody and I knows. Him. Nobody yeah, knows. I, I followed him for a long time, and it just seems that he he was awesome when Embiid was off the floor, and when Embiid came back, he wasn't as aggressive. He didn't see, feel he didn't seem like he had his place, um, and I think that was like I think it was tough like. You know, I don't want to just give him a pass on all of this because you should be able to coexist with other great players, um, especially someone as great as Embiid, who has clearly established himself as the best player on the team. 
But if you feel like people don't have your back around you um, and you feel like, you know, I mean, I don't know what his what his issue is, but I'm just um, I'm yeah. not behind the general like just um, sort of like long running antipathy to Simmons that has been going yeah. on in in the like Philadelphia sports world. And as someone who's like claimed, you know, because the Pistons were pretty bad and, and uh, so the Sixers were, um, you know, my 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 best chance of rooting for someone in the Eastern Conference playoffs claimed that they were my my team, you know, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, with Simmons, I, I, you know, we, we may be projecting more sympathy than we're hearing elsewhere. I, I, I feel it for him, too. Um, you know, I'm often going to fall on the side of player agency here. Um, uh, so let's maybe put a spin on this. What is the best outcome here? What what turns out best for the Sixers or Ben Simmons? What, where's the best landing place for Ben Simmons? I mean, it would have to be the Sixers get Damian Lillard like I mean anything below Damian Lillard Bradley Beal Zach Levine that tier of player it feels like and this is the thing this is the hilarity of the Ben Simmons situation Daryl Morey is at once saying uh you know Ben Simmons isn't good enough and he's also saying (laughs) Ben Simmons is way better than whatever crap you think you're about to offer me right now to opposing teams right so there's this weird incongruence where every trade scenario can be looked at like two different ways or three different ways depending on what side you're coming at it but like I mean, the D'Angelo Russells, even CJ McCollum's of the world, even Malcolm Brogdon's of the world, in my humble opinion, I mean, you're trading that for Simmons. That seems like a lateral move to me. Maybe At it's best, a situation yeah. where the, the, the sum is greater than the parts individually because, you know, there's just everything is where it needs to be. Right, um, but fit. yeah, I just, I just kind of feel like Ben Simmons for all his flaws is probably as good or like he's probably better than all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I liked Bill Simmons's recommendation that the Sixers, you know, so, so Lillard is one of these examples of trying to to go out and and, you know, get a truly better player. But I like the uh, Paul George idea. Um, you know, if if behind the scenes, the Clippers get the impression that Kawhi is really not going to be back this year. And in fact, it might even be a, a longer timeline than that. Um maybe they start to think about um, a longer term timeline. Um, yeah. And uh, I would like that one. Um, you know, this one's, I, I don't actually have any belief that it could happen, but, um, but I like it for both sides. Um, I like it a lot. In fact, I like it a lot more than Lillard um, with Joel Embiid. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Zach Lowe mentioned on his pod, I was listening to today about um, Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi uh, for Simmons. And that's a situation where I feel like, and he said this, and I agree that I think Toronto would say no, unless they were getting like a couple picks back, because it feels like in that scenario, the Sixers are having all of their needs filled and they're getting appropriate (laughs) value for Simmons. But, you know, the Toronto Raptors are taking on all the risk because what if Ben Simmons just literally never improves in the areas that he needs to improve in, then you're kind of losing that trade. Right. Right. Um, And just to wrap up the 76ers discussion with something that doesn't tie it together at all, for all you fantasy heads out there looking at your drafts, this creates some really interesting inflection points in drafts. Tyrese Maxey moves way up. Isaiah Joe is shown out in preseason games and looks fantastic. Thibel's value goes way up. And it also creates a point where people are passing on Simmons where he becomes a value pick later in drafts. So just throw that out there for the fantasy perspective um let's move on to another team i like a lot in the east the hawks they were one of the best teams in the second half last year uh they made a deep run in the playoffs they didn't do a ton in the offseason but they added delon wright some pg depth there um and he's playing really well already in the preseason um we, I think we look to see more player development improvement here and improvement from team health. How far do you guys think the Hawks can go this year? Yeah, I mean, I think they retained a bunch of guys and they brought in a couple guys, as you said. Uh, they also brought in Gorgie Jang um, as okay. another like backup center option. Yep. So, I mean, they're sort of plagued. They're sort of in a similar situation to what they were at the start of last season where 
Um, DeAndre Hunter is working his way back from injury. Um, I think Herder has like some minor injury right now. So they have a couple guys. Onyeka Kongwu is working his way back from injury. I think he's going to miss maybe like the first month of the season. Yeah, That little? I thought it was even half the season. No, you're, you're probably right. I was sort of being conservative in that estimate. But I think the Hawks are just incredibly deep. You know, we were talking yeah. about the depth With of the youth. Nets. The Hawks <laughs> are also incredibly deep. They have a great mix of young talent and veterans. Um, and Trey Young is really freaking good. Like, I mean, <laughs> the reality yeah. is if Trey Young is healthy and on the floor with the depth around him, this Hawks team should be pretty darn good. Um, and I'm not saying they're going to be top three in the East necessarily, but in some ways, I think that um they kind of have a um they they have less variance I think maybe than a team like Boston or or even Miami you know it just seems like there's a baseline level that they won't fall below unless Trey gets hurt if Trey gets hurt all bets are off but as long as Trey is healthy I mean it just seems like the pieces fit right that that pick and roll combination of Trey and Capella and then uh Trey and Collins on the second unit and then all the shooting around them in Bogdanovich and Herter uh, they got Lou Williams for a full season now if they just want to supercharge the offense. You know, they just can go a lot of different ways. So I think they should have a good season. I don't know if they'll get back to the conference finals in the playoffs. Like, I think it's a situation where they maybe do better in the regular season and worse in the playoffs just because maybe the matchups don't break right for them. But they're good, in my opinion. Yeah, I think they're really good, too. I, I'm not sure I would name them the three seed in the East, but I would go as far to call them the four seed in the east i think they'll get home court in the playoffs um at least who's the, the one that you have above them then the heat uh, um for now the heat it would have been the sixers before all the simmons stuff but i think the heat are probably the most improved team here in the east i love the lowry pickup um uh and they got and pj tucker who we were just talking about he's now there for they also have markeith morris as a backup for um they lost uh goran nun ariza and iggy um but they also have the the very cheap oladipo signing apparently his quad tendon wasn't attached correctly the first time it has been now um i have some hopes he may become his old self in the second half for the heat this year so i'm, I'm kind of bullish on the heat um i know know a lot less about them than Jalen does though so Jalen what do you think (laughs) like uh here's a question I have um the 76ers without Ben Simmons let's just assume Ben Simmons is not on the team are the Hawks just better than them yes (laughs) yeah I kind of think so too (laughs) I think I mean mean, there's a lot of young talent on the Hawks we saw Bogdanovich make a big jump um uh, you know, Cam Reddish could at any point, I think we'll get a healthy DeAndre Hunter back. I mean, there's upside with the Hawks and I'm seeing some of it with the youth of the 76ers, but I'm not setting that against the youth of the Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, cer- I certainly think that, that the Hawks are better. Um, I, I don't believe that the Hawks team that beat the Sixers last year was a more talented and better team. Um, you know, that's, there was game two, I remember when, or was it game one? I can't remember. One of those first two games when the Hawks were way up and the Sixers made that charge in the fourth quarter. And um, the Sixers just looked absolutely overpowering. But the trouble is they dug themselves such a hole that um, that they couldn't get over the hump in that game. And then they were playing from behind the whole series. And of course they had all of these um, like chemistry issues and just like, I mean, kind of just inability to put together a game plan. Um, but, but it was moments like that, like in that fourth quarter where I was like, if for whatever reason they couldn't get there basically ever in the series, except for like that fourth quarter, but when, but when it clicked, when they figured it out, there was no stopping it. There was, you know, they were just a better team. They were absolutely swarming on defense. They, they, you know, the Hawks couldn't get anything going and the Sixers were constantly out in transition and getting in easy buckets. And that's what they're capable of doing. They're just so big. They, they like, they're so big. They're so defensive. They've got enough shooters if they can like get it all working. And for whatever reason, they just can't. And there's no salvaging the Simmons well, uh, it, situation. Um, just, can I can I go just to one yeah. more thing, just to bring it back to the Hawks because they're the team we're talking about. But the um, uh, I am concerned about Capella because 
I don't know what this Achilles issue is, but we know we got word that he had an injection after the end of last season. And we would have expected at the time that that would have meant that he'd be back now, but now we're getting word that he's going to miss the start of the season. Likely Um, he and he and Herder um, are both um, kind of, I don't know if it was without timetable or, you know, just sort of like these vague, you know, on the injury reports. Um, and just anytime it's an Achilles, um, as it is for Capella, um, you, you wonder, um, you know, yeah, how, much, how, how much how much that lingers throughout the season. And they, and they were protecting him uh, d- down the stretch. You could see that. Um, the one uh, counter uh, I, I want to offer to the, the Philly Hawks discussion is, yeah, when, when Philly's playing optimally, they're amazing. It just didn't happen that much. The Hawks, and I wish I could remember the numbers. I want to say the Hawks had one of the four best records over the second half last year. Like they played well a long time. Um, so I, I have some hopes for them. I, I, I feel like people are sleeping on them a little bit. But yeah, I think the argument for them, I think a lot of people have been pushing back that they're as good as they showed in the playoffs, which is fair. But I think what people are forgetting is the fact that they were dealing with injuries basically the entire year. Um, you know, one of the points that a lot of people made was that, you know, they just didn't have their full complement uh, of players. So when they had a coaching change, it was almost unfair because they <laughs> yeah. finally got their, their players back um, and it was completely different. You know, that's not to say that Nate McMillan didn't do like a wonderful job. I think his impact was clear to see. Uh, but just to say that, like they were dealing with injuries all year. So like it, they were that was the case and they still did what they did both in the regular season and the playoffs. And so whatever injuries they're having to deal with this year, I think shouldn't stop them from, uh, you know, assuming Capella plays, you know, obviously if he misses the entire season, that's completely different. But Actually, I'm getting a little, I, I, I just did a quick search on it and it does appear, I mean, it's still nebulous, but it appears that there is optimism that he'll be available for the start of the season. Okay, great. And the, the other thing I just want to say here, uh, uh, Jalen, you brought up Nate McMillan. Apparently, by all accounts, Nate McMillan changed himself from an old school yellhead coach where, you know, just the tough love everywhere to a kind of new school coach that was more player oriented. And uh, a lot of people think that was responsible for some of the change in Atlanta too, not just the uh, health of players. So yeah, and it felt like a, a, a small change, but one that had a large impact where he seemed to be able yeah. to convince Trey Young to kind of get give the ball up to get it back rather than you know <laughs> right. starting and finishing every play with the ball in his hands and making the decision to pass or shoot. You know, it seemed like he was able to get Kevin Herter and Bogdan Bogdanovich involved more and give the ball up and either they could attack or he could kind of run off some screens and get it back in an advantage situation. So I think that was huge. And I think that helped the Hawks kind of coalesce as a team and, and play better together. You know, at the beginning, there was all this like sort of noxious stuff about Collins being unhappy with his touches and Trey kind of did a weird uh, protest game there in the middle of the season. <laughs> right. So where he yeah, didn't they, shoot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it all kind of came together after that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Jalen, we still haven't talked enough about the heat. Any other thoughts here? You know, um, uh, Jimmy was upset when they traded Gorin, you know, who would become <laughs> his best friend. I feel like Kyle Lowry could become his new best friend here. Yeah. Um, I think they're close. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, How far do you think the heat can go? Do they have a real shot? Yeah. You know, I've been hearing a lot of people in the general, like NBA media are kind of down on the heat, but I think the reality is like, I think, I mean, they've just played so far in the bubble and those, most of the teams that did that just didn't do well last year and they had to deal with injuries and COVID stuff and, you know, all, every team had to deal with that. But I do think, and I said this like before the season started, I kind of think Bam, you know, people were kind of expecting a big leap from Bam last year. And I think it's more likely to happen this year uh, just because not playing so far in the bubble might mean that he has just a little bit more juice athletically that will help him as a scorer. Um, Tyler Hero should be way better this year. Well, he Um, took a step back in a way and maybe the improvement comes now. Yeah. And I think the story for the Heat is like the top end talent and postseason know-how of players like um, Kyle Lowry 
and Jimmy Butler uh, contrasted with their lack of depth and how that is going to play out in the regular season. Like it's a situation where I could see them finishing lower in the East standings in the regular season, but making a deeper run to the playoffs. Um, but yeah, they're going to kind of be dependent on players like Gabe Vincent. Um, you mentioned Victor Oladipo, hopefully coming back this year. Yeah. Max Strus. those guys, you know, got a lot of leeway in the summer league. Vincent played in the Olympics they're going to be pretty dependent on those players because they don't have a lot of depth. Um, even someone like Omar Yurtsevin, who played really well in summer league, like uh, that's their depth this year. You know, we don't have many recognizable names besides those guys as far as depth, but the top end talent is there, you know, Bam, Jimmy Kyle, and Kyle Lowry are really good. And Duncan is like the perfect complement to two non-shooting stars in Bam and Jimmy. So that part of the team I think is set and is going to be really good. Yeah. It's like yeah. Yurtsevin was maybe the most tweeted about player in all of summer league. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Maybe besides him, like <laughs> him did. and Davion Mitchell, maybe. Yeah. yeah I just, I, he was constantly trending uh, at least on, on my very NBA centric feed. Yeah. So um, a couple of more teams in the East um, maybe worth talking. Well, we'll, we'll just talk about the Knicks because they were one of the top, four in the east playoffs last year we're looking at essentially the same team back um except they've swapped out kemba walker for alfred payton and um or rather the other way around uh and they've swapped out reggie bullock for um fournier so i think both obvious upgrades for the knicks um do either of them survive a season with tibbs as coach <laughs> yeah that's think- a good question <laughs> I think the Knicks are deeper than what they were last year. And I I think it's going to give, Tibbs will have a bit, you know, some more latitude to, uh, to, to, you know, give some players some much needed rest. Um, I think the Knicks are, their development is really going to come down to um, what can Tibbs do with RJ Barrett? You know, I feel like he's the, of course, um, Kemba, is going to be a huge scoring upgrade on Alfred Payton. Um, and that should unlock a whole lot of things for them. Although Alfred Payton was a pretty good defender for them. All well, that's the thing. The but Knicks were a top five defense last year. Yeah. I'm not as, sure they are with Kemba. Yeah. As much as he provoked the ire of Knicks fans, um, he was a pretty solid defender, which is why he got yeah. the minutes he did. Exactly. Um, and I just think the most obvious position where they could kind of break expectations would be for Barrett, who was at one time, I think he was the top ranked recruit in his class in high school. Do I have that right? He was close. I mean, he was in the... I think he was rated above Zion for a time. Yeah. I mean, like, the point is, like, he he's, you know, had this luster about him that he could be, you know, a, a difference-making NBA player. Um, and... Um, he obviously hasn't had that come yet, but his free throw percentage has been up. Um, you know, there's much talk about how real that is. Um, but, uh, you know, it could bode well for his outside shooting and, you know, just his general development. And, um, but it'll also be interesting because like how, how many touches is he going to get, um, with Kemba and Fournier here now? Um, yeah, it changes. The Knicks might be in the play-in tournament. I tend to think, I tend I to know. think that a Tibbs team is going to like, I, I bet that they make the six seed. I, I think that. Uh, Who do you think is going to not be in the top six then? Like, because this is what I'm saying. The Knicks, uh, I feel like the Knicks, they, they had a wonderful defense last year and they sort of sacrificed some of that defense to improve the offense with the guys like Kimball Walker um, and Evan Fournier. So they won with their defense last year and a crazy season from, uh, Julius Randle. So if Julius Randle takes a step back and the defense isn't as good, I'm kind of worried. And also if we expect teams like the Hawks and the Heat to be pretty good this year, and I kind of expect the Heat will bounce back and be better than the Knicks this year. And that's to say nothing of the Celtics or the new look Chicago Bulls. I'm kind of looking at the standings from last year and feeling like either the 76ers or the Knicks are not going to be in the top six this year. And obviously, you yeah. know, the 76ers, that would probably indicate Ben Simmons just wasn't around all year and maybe they had an injury. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, um, it's an interesting question. It's, um, I mean, there is, 
it, for Go different, ahead. I was just going to say for different reasons, I could see a case to be made that you're going to see the heat in the play play in game. Um, you know, it's partly for me when I look at their roster, it's, it's about how injuries could affect them. They're just not a very deep team and they're going to be really reliant on a couple of, um, you know, playmakers, um, you know, sort of your, your, your big names, you know, um, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, um, Kyle Lowry, um, but they, yeah, they, no, you, they, it's, it's they, a situation of depth versus like top end talent. Cause the Knicks certainly have the depth. They certainly have the depth. It, which is just to say they, like, I could see a case where either of them, falls out of the top six but they would do it for different reasons yeah all right let's talk about a team that was in the play-in last year some predictors and projections have them completely out of the play-in even though i think they're a better team the charlotte hornets is this a playoff team a play-in team or out i really i'm really undecided on the hornets like you know, I'm a huge LaMelo fan. Um, I've written about LaMelo in the past. I watched a lot of Hornets games last year there. I think maybe my favorite league pass team to watch. But Gordon Hayward is very injury prone. Um, no more Devontae Graham. No more Malik Monk on the roster. Um, and a I was surprised. looked so good. That, he was great in the first that. preseason game. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe he just replaces the Devonte Graham production pretty, pretty seamlessly. That that's possible. Yeah, I guess I was just a little worried that like Lamelo might be asked to do more than he's ready to do in year two, right. um, and some of his efficiency drops. Um, you know, I think he'll certainly get the volume. Like I, I think he'll his usage will probably go up this year. Um, just assuming that Book Knight won't completely like take over for um, Devonte Graham, but. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. I mean, they're definitely going to play small a lot. I can tell you that for sure. I wrote my fantasy preview for them for Razball, and they don't have many centers on the roster, not proven centers anyways. It's Mason Plumlee. Mason Plumlee. Uh, yeah, it's it's Mason Plumlee <laughs> and a bunch of guys like Vernon Carey Jr. and Nick Richards. So it's going to be Jones? a lot of – When do we get to yeah. see him? Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I, I sent the video to you all in the group chat. Yeah, the, the, the Kai Jones tape is is very interesting. It's very interesting. I mean, he's a rookie, so I don't know what you can really expect. But I mean, he's a center who was taking one dribble pull ups and step back threes and behind the backs into those threes. So, yeah, I mean, he was kind of playing a little bit like a wing, you know, so it'll be interesting. So if he if he comes along, that'll be great for them. But Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous. What do you all think? Yeah, the one thing I can definitely say about the Hornets is that they will be one of my league pass teams. Last season, they were top five in pace, assist percentage, ball movement, and player movement. They're best when PJ's playing the five, statistically. Um, uh, that's, that, that's easily the best lineup, so I'm hoping we're going to see a lot of that. Um, but I think this is just going to be a really fun team to watch, and um, I just want to throw out one note. The two Two last Bobcats just left the team after last season. Do you guys know who they were? Um, one of them was Biombo, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and you're, you're looking one? in the right spot for the other one, too. Oh, oh was it um, Zeller? Yep, yep. So those were the last two Charlotte Bobcats. No longer do they exist. Um, yeah. And then the other thing, the Charlotte Hornets record is a ton better when Hayward plays than when he doesn't. It's, it's a really marked difference. Um, like a 20 yeah, percentage think, points in win percentage or something like it's massive. I mean, health is obviously huge for every team, but it feels like health is especially important for this team because, you know, Gordon Hayward is the piece. I feel like that ties everything together. Like right now you don't want Terry Rozier being your primary ball handler for like the majority of the game. You want him to be an off ball <laughs> right. shooter coming off screens and taking a little bit of the uh, primary playmaking role. Like it feels like if Hayward is healthy, everyone is in, everyone is in a position where they're almost overqualified for their role. Like LaMelo as a one, a maybe he's overqualified or, or just like appropriately qualified. Rozier is the same thing, but if Hayward is out, then everyone has to take on a larger role. And I feel like that's where you maybe come into issues, but they're a really interesting team. And we touched on a little bit from like the, the fantasy perspective. And I was really uh, sort of interested at looking at miles bridges versus PJ Washington. Um, and like, 
Miles Bridges had a breakout season last year. Yeah. He was pretty close to a 50, 40, 90 season, like uh, yeah, crazily crazy. enough. I think yeah. he shot 86% from the free it's throw It's so low-key. Nobody talked about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and P.J. Washington had a decent season. Their numbers, like their overall numbers, points, rebounds are pretty similar, but um, P.J. Washington just didn't have the efficiency. And when I was looking at the numbers, Washington just shoots way worse from two-point range, like like from around the basket compared to Bridges. So that's like where you see Bridges' athleticism factoring in. And another thing is, I don't know what happened in Bridges' second season, but he had way fewer assisted baskets. Uh, his first season and his third season are just way, he was way more efficient and he had way more assisted baskets. And so I don't see that changing. Like I wrote in my It'll column go that- up. Yeah. I wrote in my column that I almost like Bridges is the safer pick because I feel like his role is like pretty solidified and the, all he has to do is like keep being efficient in that role. They're not asking him to really do more than that, but the ways in which PJ Washington can be better are really hard. Like he either has to become, he has to shoot better on pull-up threes or he has to become a better like rim protector and finisher around the basket. So um, yeah, it's going to be really yeah. interesting from a fantasy standpoint. And I guess the last thing I'll say is that I think the the Hornets are going to play even faster this year. They really only played really fast when LaMelo was in the game. Um, and they have Kelly Oubre Jr. this year. They have Ish Smith. They have Kai Jones. Obviously, Bridges and LaMelo are back. They're going to have to play fast because that's where a lot of their players are at their best. And yeah, like you said, like we said, they're going to play small. Kelly Oubre Jr. can guard one to four. They're just, I, I just think they're going to try and play small, play their zone defense, muck it up for the other team and get out and run. So we'll see if it works again for a second season. Yeah, yeah. All right, we have one more team in the East that we're going to talk about. It's the team uh, for which I'm uh, nearly afraid to communicate my enthusiasm and hope. So um I think I'm going to let Kyle be my stand-in here. Let's talk about the Detroit Pistons. They improved um, the franchise's future possibilities and potential in a massive way by lucking into the number one pick, Cade Cunningham. That was the major change here. Uh, Kyle, what what do you th- what what do you think of your uh, home t- homegrown hometown uh, birthright team, the Detroit Pistons? Nothing that I say can be trusted. I, uh, <laughs> I I I think part of me really believes and feels that they are going to um, launch themselves straight into the playoff com- play in conversation, um, which sure. is not going to happen. And we don't even really want it to happen. We want them to get one I, more really good draft pick, you know, but I think that's um, the goal here, but yeah, <laughs> but, but I think, uh, you know, um, you know, it's fun to jump ahead of yourself a little bit here. And, um, and even some weak points, you know, in the, the, the kind of perpetual optimism of the off season are, are, are looking pretty fun here with yeah. um, you got, uh, Rodney Magruder saying some pretty good things about Killian Hayes saying that he's coming in that he between summer league um, and the preseason, he went back to France. He sort of reset. He comes yeah. back to Detroit and, and Casey uh, and, and, and Casey and Weaver are saying the same thing, even yeah. better, like well, very, very when, high on Hayes. All yeah. Of a when it's, when it's Casey and Weaver, part of me wonders if it's um, kind of the organization, trying sure. to fire him up, you know, yeah, and yeah. K- K- Cahill said basically the same thing. And I think it was, that was a smart take, but when you've got Magruder saying it, who sure. I don't think is doing anybody's bidding, you know, I think that, like <laughs> he, yeah. he's, he's speaking of his own accord. Um, I think that we can really like, not to say that a coach and, you know, um, a GM wouldn't speak of their own accord as well, but like, they have, you know, they have very different goals as um, coaches and, and general managers. Um, you, sure. You've got, you got a player, um, you know, I think it's usually coming from a genuine place of enthusiasm. Um, right. And uh, right. whether that carries forward, you know, we, we can only take, uh, you, know, you know, the preseason with um, the, 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 the single grain of salt, but yeah, the, I, I'm optimistic. I like it. Um, I, I, you know, I watched all the summer league games. Um, 
I liked watching Luca Garza, you know, he uh, sort of pounds up and down the floor, um, but, you know, he's, he showed some real skill uh, down on the block. He showed skill through shooting from three, um, yeah. you know, who knows how much playing time he would get, but, you know, he was the national player of the year and, um, and was rightfully so. I mean, he, he truly dominated um, and he, he is a very skilled player. Um and yeah, I mean, one thing I'll say, uh, just to just kind of put it out here, we um, we didn't talk about the Celtics, and that's perfectly fine because we're Pistons fans here, and we've got um, you know, <laughs> um, we've got long term um, animosity, sometimes just indifference, you know, to the Celtics, uh, and uh, and we'll leave them be. They'll probably make the playoffs, though. They'll the probably Celtics make are the sort playoffs. of boring in the way the Bucks are boring. Is that they're I mean, with a few exceptions, when they're just like thing, everything falls apart. They're probably going to be pretty good, but um, yeah, there. I feel like you can throw a lot on the Celtics year to year. Like how much you believe in them or not is often a reflection of you rather than the team itself, um, it, which is yeah. interesting. I think. Yeah, and and just another note, a team we're not talking about today because I think we're going to be talking about them in an upcoming pod with uh, Chicago fans, but the Bulls, I expect to be in the playoffs too. I don't love that they still don't have a PG, a real point guard, um, but they have two guys in Levine and DeRozan who can both get their own shot and you know, finish out games, all that stuff. So um, I'm sort of uh, high on the Bulls improving too. Uh, but to get back to the Pistons, Bulls I love are K- another one of those kind of like anti-Pistons teams where I'm like, yeah, hey, they, they, they got some new players. I'd be perfectly happy if they just don't succeed. Sure. Sure. Um, but the Pistons, besides improving um, just by the very nature of drafting Cade Cunningham, uh, I like their pickup of Kelly Olenek. They have a pip, pick and pop guy to practice. Um, you know, Hayes and Cunningham will be running a lot of that through him to get used to that. And um, in our Weaver uh, discussion uh, uh, or mention, it reminded me um, this is very much. Troy Weaver's team now the longest tenured piston is Killian Hayes the second longest is um uh Isaiah Stewart and then the third uh, oldest uh, tenured player is Sadiq Bey so their first three draft picks from last year um every one of these guys crazy is a Troy Weaver guy it explains why he's so high on uh Hayes and the in the press to some extent he very much wants that to happen i also want it to happen though too and i've heard uh, very good reports about hayes being much better uh, in initiating the offense being more aggressive in initiating the offense and also his on-ball defense um you, you know he wasn't great in summer league but his defense was great yeah, yeah. i mean and- he's got already NBA skill in his defense and he showed it last season too he showed it in summer league I want to say one thing just to go back to the Nets and and Sekou Dambuya I did think that the Pistons sold low on him I think that um that was just you know that was a changing of the guard decision wasn't a Troy Weaver guy yeah and and I I thought that um I I like Sekou Uh, I hope that um you know I, I hope he's so young he he has i think still every opportunity to uh to make a niche for himself in the league and i i um i was hoping for a long time that the pistons would be the place where he would do it and i would have been perfectly happy to watch him you know develop um in this upcoming season on the pistons but it wasn't to be yeah 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 um go ahead jalen as the resident sort of pistons agnostic slash uh (laughs) rooting for by way of friendship um <laughs> i i sort of hope that they're not trying to win this year for my own selfish reasons namely that i i drafted kelly olenic in the the raz jam um and i need the team not to be interested in winning so that he can put up a lot of stats but along you're those gonna lines, be okay there i think you're gonna be okay <laughs> along the i lines would actually of, think that, i think that if the pistons do well it will be in part because of what olenic brings to the court he brings a new dimension from from the five they don't have that he's a good player it's just a situation where i think the more he plays and the more seriously you're trying to win his defense becomes an issue which we saw a bit you know in the playoffs and the playoffs are different but when he was with the heat he was he was important for them as a spacing five against the lakers but he was also a bit of a liability on defense so 
it's just a question of how much they can handle like his his lack of defensive skills but yeah no he he's definitely a good player he's a pretty good passer like better than you would expect and obviously he's a great shooter as well but just on the point of fantasy I guess um you know I think someone like Isaiah Stewart is probably going to take a step forward and just playing more minutes and therefore that leading to more production um obviously you'd have to expect Killian Hayes to be better this year than he was last year what that ultimately amounts to in fantasy, I'm somewhat skeptical of, but he'll certainly be better. Um, and then obviously, you know, Cade Cunningham will be there. And especially in like dynasty and keeper league formats is probably someone, you know, with for the right price you want to you want to draft uh, and get your hands on. And then Jeremy Grant, I think, is an interesting one because it, I'm wondering whether or not his efficiency can go up as he has less time on the ball with, you know, Hayes and Cunningham coming into their games more, but then obviously that increase in efficiency could be sort of counterbalanced by like a, a lack of like robust, just raw production uh, if he's getting fewer touches. So that's something to consider. Yeah. I think in the fantasy world, the best outcome for Grant, if you're looking at him is that his counting stats will go down as efficiency goes up. Um, They're just going to be a lot more Pistons getting shots (laughs) this year. Cade Hayes, uh, Sadiq Bey is going to take more shots. Stewart's going to take more shots. So I don't see Grant having that, um, you know, fully productive season that he did last year, even with the efficiency dip. Um, yeah, they'll, they're, they're, there's a lot of fantasy value uh, on, on the Pistons uh, that, that, that's worth a look. Um, Sadiq Bey will be a sneaky pick if you can get him at the right spot too. Just super solid production for the right build. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, that wraps up our somewhat uh, truncated preview of the East. We've implicitly made some predict predictions here um do you guys want to explicitly make any who wins the east Mm, you know i feel like i picked the nets last year i picked the Nets to win it all last year i think i'm gonna take the safe bet and say milwaukee wins the east again um but that if healthy i'm certainly picking the nets to come out of the east yeah i i um i have to go with the nets here i just can't even talk myself into another argument for another team even 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 if the nets are missing Kyrie I think they still win the east yeah that get, may very well be true honestly I'm gonna go with Jalen on this too right. and, and it's um for on both parts of it too I'm gonna I'm gonna predict the the Bucks um, win the the regular season east um the nets come out of the east in the playoffs I think that um the, you know, we forget, you know, that Drew Holiday was new to the team, that they were still sort of yeah. like finding their bearings True. last um, regular season. Um, I think that the playoff run built a lot of chemistry. I think they're just going to have, um, they're just going to have a lot to draw on. And do I think that they have the kind of like top end firepower that um, the Nets are going to have in the playoffs? No, but do I think that they could be just very consistent um, throughout the yeah. season and that they have a lot of depth to be able to, um, you know, to, to go through that 82 games? I do. Um, and yeah, without uh, a doubt. I, th- I think they're a strong pick for that. All right. Well, that is the Shot Tower pod. We are turning off the phantom power. Cheers.